HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. I do my show on the Heritage Radio Network because I think it's important to talk about the impact of technology on our lives. I do my show to reach home cooks and help them do better. I love getting together with people in the industry. I like hosting my show because, to me, it's the stories about people and their relationship to food that help make the food more interesting and more delicious. Our hosts do their shows as a labor of love, but we still need your financial support in order to keep the lights on and keep the tape rolling. Please become a member today at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market. For more information, visit wholefoodsmarket.com. I'm Chris Guzmi. And I'm Mary Izette. From Fomentabody. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. We talk about food, we talk about music, with musical dudes, finger on the pulse, snacky tunes.
All right, welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Aaron Bresnitz. We are with Renee Ray Ramirez here at Ray's Barbecue in Huntington Park. Thank you, pleasure Ray. having you here, guys. Thank you for uh, thank you for doing what you do, laboring over one of the toughest toughest uh, cuts of meat to get right, which is the brisket. But you do other things. But your brisket is that's the one that's really standing out. So, so, you, so um, you've been not your whole life, but you've been in LA for. Almost your whole life. Yes, I was. I was. I was born here in Santa Ana, and then uh, I traveled the first couple of years, lived in El Salvador, and then came back when I was around five. Lived here until I was about nine or ten. Moved back, and then back and forth. But then been living here since I was fourteen. Okay, and uh, when did you first start becoming aware of food and start wanting to make food? Was your you know did your mom cook? Did your dad cook? Your grandma um, cook? Yeah, I mean, everybody in the house cooked. My grandma, my uh, my aunt, uh, my mom not necessarily, but I grew up with my grandparents most of the time, and they did they did cook all the time. My my grandma was always the one that guys, what do you guys want for for lunch tomorrow? Because lunch was a big meal that dinner. Yeah, and anything that stands out as your favorite meal that you didn't know it then, but has sort of influenced your cooking now. Um. You know what? Definitely, I. I mean, I always like grilling stuff. Yeah. But that's about as far as it went, grilling, and especially, especially it was just yeah, either either chicken or your basic Hispanic carne asada. But that's as far as it went. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because there is a type of grilling barbecue in Mexican Latin American food, but it's very different than sort of the Texas style of barbecue that you it's do. Higher temperatures, yeah, anything above three seventy five is considered grilling. So that that's kind of like what I the category I would follow at that time. Right now, were you the guy like everyone's like, oh, Ray's cooking, like we're going over to his house? No, to be honest with you, I was always at work. I was always busy. It was more kind of like. Uh, we have nothing better to do. Let me just throw something on the grill. But it was it was always a cheap grill. It was always the inexpensive supermarket twenty dollar. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I know. <laughs> the, the one you go, hey, we're gonna do a barbecue this weekend. Then you go, oh wait, we don't have a grill. Yes, that one. And then you go, well, we we might never use it again. So just get like the tin. The one right in front of the cash register when you're checking out. <laughs> yes. So you were actually in a different line of work. You were working for a phone company, but you were spending time in the Midwest. Yes. Uh, and is is that where, I mean, where did you first fall in love with this, the slow and low, the more, you know, when you say barbecue in America, you think of like that type of traditional yes. type of food. I knew barbecue here from the traditional places back in the early 90s, you know, the ones in Inglewood. Uh, but then when I got when I got transferred out to St. Louis to go help him out, uh, rebuild some stores, one of my buddies over there who was my boss. Took me, I was like, "Hey, wait, let's go eat." Uh, at that time, my first place I ever tried was Casey Masterpiece, which they no longer exist. Oh yeah, they went, they went under. And for here, coming from coming from your basic, what we thought in California at that time was twenty Romans, it was like heaven. Sure. <laughs> uh, that just blew my mind away I mean I felt the smoke going inside I mean I can still remember like if it's today uh, then on Saturdays and Fridays we would go out to the uh, drive around St. Louis and cross over the bridge to you know the, the Kansas City yeah no 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 well the Kansas City came after but we first started exploring 
exploring that, and then we, we would cross over the uh, to Illinois, I think it was, a, just cross over the bridge, and then uh, the Mississippi, and then uh, and then uh, we would just find the little corner spots that were just there, and just eat, and try, okay, now let's go there, so let's go there. Then, about a couple months after, that's when we got we like we should go to Kansas. City. We should we should make that mecca. Yeah, because it was trip. a Joe's drive. It yeah, was yeah, in, yeah. It was like if I'm here to from here to Fresco, I haven't been there in a while, but it was yeah. it wasn't no like around the block. So and it was a revelation. That's when I was like that was like you were like in it was just uh, that was in the utopia, utopia, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Coming from LA, which you didn't I, know. I mean, LA barbecue. And what year was this? Um, 2000, it was 2001 to 2002. So the barbecue scene in LA was, there wasn't real, you couldn't even say a scene, it was, there was nothing, there was nothing. There was nothing, it's just the only ones that were around were the ones in Inglewood. Yeah. And, and Phil's, of course. Yeah. I mean, but Phil's and the ones in Inglewood are within the same barbecue style. Yeah. And barbecue was not on the cultural map or in the mainstream at all. No, you didn't really hear about it. So when did you... So let me, you couldn't shake it, could you? The idea of this meat and the smoke and the tenderness. Oh, no, I mean, I couldn't... Uh, you know, to me, it was just awesome, but I, when I came back, I just couldn't get it off my mind. Yeah. And, and then and then you're stuck here with the same old things that you left behind, and you're like, okay, well, I just got to wait it up. But you got to remember back in those days, we didn't have social media, we didn't have YouTube that you could just jump in, and how do I do this, and how do I do that? You know, we, we didn't have, you know, Yelp, we didn't have none of that. So, you, you, you were kind of stuck within your yeah. within your radius. And you never left that radius really to go try out something else. Because what were you going to do? Open up a 900-page phone book and look into the restaurants and just right. menus? No, you weren't going to do that. Yeah. So, when did you first start? What was your first experiment with, you know, the road to this barbecue, yeah. to raise barbecue? First experiment was that in my... Uh, it was in my garage. I had a, a, a stove in a garage that I had that I converted to propane so my wife could do some baking. And I saw a video, and I, I still remember the title. It was called Winter Ribs. <laughs> <laughs> Winter Ribs was basically from a guy who lived in Canada. I forgot his name. He's probably still on YouTube. And then, uh, he, he, he would show you how to make, uh, how to make ribs in uh, three, two, one method and, and, uh, in your oven. Because it was too snowed out outside to go make Right, ribs. right, right. And that was my first ever ribs I ever made. And it was such a piece of cake. I just knew it. I just knew it. It's like the first, the first, you know, minute I took him off the, uh, took him off the uh, oven rack and I started putting that barbecue place. I, I just, I just knew that was it. You just knew that that was your calling. I knew that was it. How I was going to take it further, I didn't know, but and, I just knew it was meant. And what year was this? This was, I would say, 2011. Okay. So, wait, I mean, this this all happened very recent. Right. So, 10 years of it marinating in your mind, thinking about it, and then yeah, you finally really put... kind of, like, put it together. It yeah. 10 years. But, I mean, but was it the social media and the way that you saw the changing shift in food culture and the way that people found out about restaurants, was that sort of an encouragement? No, what it was, it was, uh, I had got laid off from Chase Bank. Well, there you go. Yeah. Sometimes those those types of moments are the best moments in your life. Most definitely, I always tell people uh, in the most difficult times in your life, you find talents or passions that you, you didn't even know that you, you had them. So you start cooking, and 
were you using just like what cuts were you using what types of equipment uh, like because as you mentioned you were cooking with sort of lower grade meat lower grade equipment when did you start making that shift or what was that revelation yes. of you know like I need quality to make quality yes uh, pretty much as, as as the circle went on to my friends trying it getting a more feedback and then I moved on to charcoal uh, within charcoal I moved on to uh, ceramic grills from the big green egg Kamados uh, then when I started to spend more money because you get remember during this time I was unemployed yeah so you can't just go and spend $800 on a Traeger no 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 you no, no. buy the Craigslist for 150 which is fine you play with it and then you buy another one that's on Craigslist the next model up and then that's when I decided um, one of my friends told me, I was like, Ray, your barbecue's awesome. Why don't you sell it? And that's when that opened up Pandora's Box, which is where I'm at right now. <laughs> is this, is that the other name for the Pandora's Box barbecue? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? It goes perfect. I'll be honest with you. Um, so what was that like, that moment when you first decided that you were going to sell? And also, probably not on the level either, because you just can't really... Sell food. Yeah, no. So basically, uh, it was in, it was the uh, early days of January 2014. Yeah. And it was one of my barbecue friends from a forum who told me that comment on a, on a picture. And I asked him, I was like, what do you think I should sell? He's like, sell your pork sandwiches. You know, if I lived in California, I would buy it. And I asked him, how much would you even pay? He's like, I'll give you seven bucks for one. So, oh, seven bucks, okay. So I told my wife... I was like, you know what? Let me just put an ad on Facebook. And, uh, it was called the Southgate, Southgate Huntington Park page. At that time, they had 10,000 followers. So I went online. I put an ad. Pool pork sandwiches for samples on the January 17th uh, from uh, 12 p.m. to 5 p.m. at my house. Uh, PM me for uh, address. Six people showed up. Okay. Uh, I made $60. Those six people told me, Ray, uh, why don't you sell ribs? You want some ribs? I'll make you ribs. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, you want to come back tomorrow? Yeah, I'll come back tomorrow. Okay. 18 bucks a rack. I went down to Costco. I bought the, the same racks that they sell now, the St. Louis, three racks in one, one package. And I remember I, I would uh, spend $25 on on the, the package of three, and I would, you know, times $18. Right. And that was my that's a good profit margin, by the way. For for restaurants, that's a, that's a killer profit margin. Yeah. Well, it was it was easy to figure it out because I had read somewhere online where it was like, as long as you're making three hundred percent profit, you're good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is now it's you know it's, it's a little different. You got rent, different. you got employees, you got all the other stuff. But that's how I figured it out. You know? And so then just word of mouth, word of mouth, word and of mouth. And then that and then that was that was. Two weeks after, I already had lines in my driveway because it was Super Bowl weekend. Oh my God! Uh, Good timing. It, it was. It was. You know. It, and this was without thinking because remember, this was all just a joke. It wasn't. Well, not a joke. But I mean, it, but it, it was just. It was. It was your passion. And yeah, you, but it, I mean, I, it, like in my eyes, it wasn't going to go further. Right. Than yeah. just like a couple of friends in the neighborhood and just something on yeah, the side. But, yeah, that's that's what that's what I meant by a joke. That it. Now it's gonna be around a couple of couple of days, and that's it. So you're building up, reaching success. So I'm building up. Um, um, first day of uh, 
I was putting ads like crazy. I was I took photography in a couple classes in college, so I would take some really nice pictures, you know, put them on Facebook, everybody would just show up and my friend told me I saw the ad. So I went from sixty dollars to one day to one twenty to next weekend five hundred to the weekend after. By the time Super Bowl three weeks after Super Bowl was here, you know, I was making like two thousand dollars in That's awesome. In uh, I would say four or five hours and then it was kind of like I like to picture as as being in Vegas and you know just doubling down yeah it, it was just doubling just splitting the laces so I told my wife I was like I need to buy a, I need to buy a bigger smoker because at the time I had like 10, 12 triggers yeah in my driveway and I was like I need to buy another smoker I said what are you going to get first I felt comfortable buying using pellets so I went to the cook shop right? I saw this guy that was selling a $20,000 smoker in 12 uh, you know, being a good businessman, I told him, I'll give you eight. He's like, no, you're crazy. He calls me, he calls me back two weeks later. I'll take the eight. I'll take the eight. Yay. He's like, he's like, if you want to bring it, bring it down, I'll, you know, I'll give it to you. So he drove two hours and bring me the machine, put it in my driveway. The minute that machine was there the next day, my sales just doubled up because now I had three times more capacity. Oh, my God. Amazing. And then I got snitched on Oh, all right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, listen to, I guess, you know, we'll play X-Cops as uh, appropriate for getting snitched on. Um, and then we'll hear about the snitching and the uh, attempted public fundraising and then the opening of Ray's Barbecue. Um, X-Cops here at Snacky Tunes. We're here with Renee Ray Ramirez uh, in Huntington Park.
Okay, we are here at Ray's Barbecue with Ray himself in Huntington Park in Los Angeles. Um, so, you bought the giant smoker, doubled your business, and then you got snitched on. Do you know who snitched on you? No, I never found out. Never but what, found what, jealousy? Uh, hey, hey, haters gonna hate. But you know what? You know what? If there's one thing that I learned after that is is that if if they're not hating on you, that means uh, you're, you're not just, doing a good not, job. Not doing yeah, a good job, so. they must have seen your success and went, oh. I'm gonna. He thinks he's so good with his rack of ribs and things like that. So you're doing ribs, you're doing pulled pork. Have you dabbled with brisket yet? Uh, no, not even in my wildest dreams. Because at that time, brisket was um, the unthinkable. I didn't even. Uh, it was like the most scariest thing you could ever. Imagine. And why is that? It's hard. It's. I mean, think think about it. I, now I like to think about it as pulled pork being preschool. Oh yeah, I mean even I can do I do I do pulled pork in my okay, in my. You can put that in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, I got a liquor say. I'll do I'll do a pulled pork, and people go, "Oh my god!" I go, "This literally, I just sat at home and drank beer for eight hours. Like it yeah, was it's, fine." It's, but brisket's like the 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 mount. Brisket's like the uh, like the calculus of high school, <laughs> which I failed out of. Uh, <laughs> which I didn't even get. <laughs> yeah, I went. Mm, did I get into college? Okay, I'm I'm out of calculus. Um, so. During this time, after you got shut down by the city, um, you launched a Kickstarter campaign. Yeah, three weeks passed. Uh, and were people still hitting you up? Oh, yeah, every single day. I was like, I'm sorry, dude, I can't, you know. Ray, fuck it, just tell me, just you and me. Yeah, I'll just come to the house. I'll, yeah. just, I'll pay whatever you need. Like, you're, like, like, you're, like it feels like, like they want to keep it super secret. But like, I'll just I'll sneak in and you can meet me at the corner and I was like no because at the time I didn't even know where it was so I didn't want to take the risk Yeah, I, I knew it wasn't a neighbor because if it was a neighbor they would have snitched on me years ago a long time ago yeah but if it was a neighbor no it had to be someone from, from Facebook from Facebook because anyone who loved your food wouldn't have jeopardized what you were doing yes but now I thank the hater yeah I, I, and, and I said it out loud publicly uh on one of my videos when I first opened up, I was like, "Hey, thank you, hater." Yeah. So you did the Kickstarter, yes, and that didn't it didn't go. No, the Kickstarter was uh, the city had higher. Um, so once I got to the sun, the inspector, the main the main building safety code inspector, told me, "Say, dude, this is just a warning. You know, I'm not giving you a ticket or anything. But I'm gonna give you a little advice." I go, "What's up? I'm thinking he's gonna throw a whole book at me. Go to the city. Tell him what you got going on." pretty sure I can help you. I'm like, yeah, right. I can help you. So I went into the city next Monday because this happened over the weekend. Yeah. Um, I said, I asked, one of the, I want to speak to somebody about my case. Hey, speak, speak with the city planning. City planning uh, heard my case. They liked it. They spoke to fi- financial director, finance director. His name was Julio at that time. He's like, dude, I want you in my city. I want you to stay here. I'm going to help you open up. I'm going to hire a guy to do a business plan for you. We'll pay for it. I was like, but I don't have money to open up a shop. I was like, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. Well, you know, the money to open up the shop never came, but he gave me he gave me a, something a lot more valuable. Than money. He gave me the motivation. 
Mm. He gave me the light that I didn't have. He's like, you're gonna you're gonna be successful with the barbecue. And I was like, okay, if you say so. That's so awesome. And so, I mean, was that? I mean, obviously, your success was founded by the community, but yes. by the government helping you stay in the community, I feel like that's been like a big fire and big push to your success. Yeah, because you got to remember that. I mean, I'm selling out of my house. You never hear a story where you go to the city and you tell them, I'm selling, I'm selling food out of my house. Can you help me open up a restaurant? No, it doesn't happen. Huh. It, I, no. I haven't met nobody yet. No, they go, yeah, no. They go, go pay your fine. You're lucky you didn't get fined. In my case, you're lucky you didn't get fined. No, don't do it again. But, did, my, but you did it again. I had to. I had to. And they knew I was doing it again because they were seeing my ads on Facebook. And they were then getting in line and eating your <laughs> Yeah, and now and now they're some of my best customers. Yeah. <laughs> no, in, in reality, they are some of my best customers. So you opened it again, and then did you get shut down again? I opened it again. I, I um, so I opened it again. And was were people like just over so pumped? Yeah, but it took it took a while to get shut down. Uh, so now we're talking first week of March is when I got shut down the first time. 2014. 2014. I restarted in uh, last last weekend of, of March, which was three weeks after. That's fine. I didn't get shut down the second time until until first weekend of August. All right. So they let people have a little bit of summertime barbecue. Uh, but I wasn't cooking as much. I was maybe cooking once a month. Okay. And I, just I was scared. I was I, I was honestly legit scared. I didn't because I, I didn't know what the outcome was if I. Got caught again. But all this time you're building toward the legit at that, business, right? At that right? time, I'm building my mom. Uh, you know, my mom let me borrow some money. I was selling all my Traegers. I was uh, selling pretty much everything that I could to make uh, to make you know money to buy equipment, uh, use equipment from appraisals, of course. So, and at this time, you're working to this, and you also made this trip down to Texas, right? Yeah, actually, that came. No, the trip down to Texas came after I opened up here. Oh, really? So brisket, brisket, still not even in the picture. So, so you opened up with only. I opened up with just. Um, I opened up just with pulled pork, nachos, pulled pork sandwiches, and ribs. Three items. That's it. That's it, and <laughs> that kept me alive for a year, a year, over a year and change. And what was the response when you opened? How hard was it to open this place? Did um, it was it was easy in the sense that it was it was a, it used to be a pizza place, so all the okay. most of the stuff was already here. So all the ventilation and yeah, everything. Yeah, the ventilation. It was easy because the guy who was here before had only opened for a couple months and did all the renovations and everything. All I did was pretty much just wow. clean it up. And he just went out of business. He just yeah, it was a Cuban restaurant and it just didn't work didn't out. Didn't work. But um, I I went online and I figured out how to do the uh, you know the. Uh, the plan check for the health department. I figured out how to do the drawings with my, one of my one of my uh, wife's best friend's son helped me. He was studying engineering at the time, so him and his uh, engineering software. We did a Mickey Mouse one page eight by ten. Beautiful drawing. Health department was like, they didn't like it at first, but then once they got to know me, they were helping me do. Okay, fix this and fix that, and we'll approve it. It's so funny how. And this goes to your personality. It's just like, wow, like people will really help you once they see that you're passionate yes. and authentic. And it's not just about it. So you opened up. Brisket's still... Not even close. Thing. And, it was, and then what? you went to Texas because you're just like, I, uh, I got to go see what the barbecue You know what? To be honest with you, between you and I and a couple of people that I know, I wasn't happy with pulled pork. Hmm. Pulled pork, pull pork was there. I enjoyed it. 
but I just wasn't happy. I knew something was missing in, in, in the whole scenario. Um, I was afraid of brisket. I had done it a couple times at my house, but it, it was still scary. You're talking spending at that time, no matter how cheap, $60 on a chunk of meat. That's yeah. so easy to screw up, you know, and yet alone even figure it out. And then and then you watch these videos on YouTube and they say 275 and it's a bunch of bologna. It's not 275 and do this and do it's like everything they tell you on YouTube or you read books. It's backwards. It's, it's the opposite, hmm. you know, because if I were to do briskets at 275, like some of these people do it and for 16 hours. Those things would be charcoal. Yeah, be nothing. Be you just use that to cook your next yeah, piece of meat. Yeah, it's like it's like you know sometimes you watch these shows and you just oh I would do that at two seventy five. It's like really, do you did two seventy five? <laughs> you know. So I figured it out, and that's what kept me scared. But then I told my wife, I told my wife, I was like, we need to bring brisket. But first, I need to go try the real stuff. I need to make the trip. Yeah. I told her, you know, it's June, July. I forgot what time it is. Slow. Let's just drive for a weekend first thing we did non-stop we drove 28 hours 29 hours we drove straight to franklin's barbecue it's a good stop shout out to aaron franklin yes and i think and we were saying that uh, i think he's the one who sort of put brisket in the mainstream in many yeah. ways and and he he inspires he inspires millions of us i, I know mean, he inspires he's i mean if you're if you're in barbecue and you're doing brisket he's definitely one of your top two idols Who's the, other, not, who's the other one? To be honest with you, what's that millionaire guy that's always popping up doing uh, doing uh, events on uh, for for charity? Um, Adam Perry Lang. Yes, that one. He's great. Daisy Mazes. Yeah. But the problem is that you can't try his barbecue because he's never. He never tried. He just it's, it's bingo. So. I mean, I used, I used to live in New York, and so I would go to that. But it's also a pain. A pain. It's like Midtown West Side. It's a pain. So. How much, how much tip, how much insight did he give you on? No, him nothing. Him no, not, but but Aaron Franklin. No, Aaron Franklin nothing. No, Aaron Franklin was just uh, I got lucky and met him. I complimented him on his work. It was it was more it was more um, it was more tips from the pit masters. You know, it was more like uh, I think a lot of times they don't necessarily have to have to tell you things. You notice it. You notice by, you know, when they give you the tour and you notice the gauges. Well, you have to know what to look for. Yes, and I knew what you I was You knew what to look for. Yes. Now, I heard a rumor that you did some dumpster diving to yes. get some secrets, Yes, I too. did. I got pictures of it, too. But I wouldn't call it dumpster diving. Over there in Texas, it seems like everybody just has open freely <laughs> where you eat and where the trash cans are at. So, what's the best way for you to find out what somebody else is is cooking or is? When you go dump your trash, obviously, if you happen to get lucky, you're gonna see the boxes that they're throwing away. Those boxes are gonna say whatever, you know, brisket, you know, brand or whatever. So, obviously, there you know that hey, you know what, this particular person is using this kind of. With Aaron Franklin's case. He's very proud and to open and say he uses creek stone. Oh yeah. He, and there's wasn't no 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 dipstone. The question is, is what kind of creek stone brand he's using? Because you know there's the premium black Angus, there's the all natural, mm. there's the GMO. But I think at the end of the day, whether it's the creek stone premium natural or whether it's the all natural or the GMO, 
I think Creekstone by itself is so well refined that you can't go wrong with any one of those trees. And I found that out because I already used all those three. Hmm. And I started, uh, now you can take in mind that when, when I saw Creekstone, it was the first thing I did. Well, if Aaron Franklin's using it, he's probably using the most expensive one there is. So I went and I bought the most expensive one. So this is awesome. And then I tried the regular, the uh, premium black. It's still just as awesome. So now either one of those is just as good as the other. Right, right, right. So you brought what you learned back to the restaurant. And how long did it take you to, to get your brisket to a point where now it's adorning all the walls in the photos, you know, and sort of what is you've become known for with your, like, brisket? I'd say about nine months. Eight months? Nine, eight to nine eight, months. Eight, nine months. How was, uh, what was, what was the one where you sort of, I guess, where you were, you, you knew that, like, you had gotten it? Yeah. Or, or was you like, or did you know that, like, it got up where to a good felt, enough where point, you felt comfortable, comfortable? Where you won't be embarrassed. Right. Where, where you, you won't be embarrassed to get that person from Texas and then have them tell you, oh, dude, this is horrible. <laughs> this is California crap. Uh, no, it's, it was more like, Okay, now I, if I get somebody from Texas, I'm sure they'll be happy. I mean, I had it. Yeah. I've had it, and it, I'm very happy. And, 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 and I think another part of it is, you know what? Like, it, like, it, like it, I, I tell everybody who asks me, it's like, it's still not done. You know, and even if you ask Garen Franklin. That's the thing. It's like, it's uh, the next one's always the best one. Like, it's, you're just, it's 30 years, and you... Right, you're just yes. always improving. I remember an interview that that they did on Franklin on YouTube. He has a whole bunch. I remember one specifically where they asked him, "I was like, do you think your brisket, the way you're cooking it now, tastes as good as when you first opened up?" He's like, "No, it's like it's been evolving since day one." And I think that's the fun part about brisket is that yes, it's just salt, and yes, it's just pepper, and yes, it's just oak wood. But there's so many factors and variables that go in between that that little change of degree completely alters the whole outcome. Is that the biggest... I mean, is, is the cooking method the biggest X factor of it all? Yes, yes. So it's not so much... So the, the brand of the meat is one thing. Now, what, that, what I found out that does, it keeps you consistent. Sure. It keeps you, it keeps you in a sense where, where it's, um, you'll have that same-looking brisket all the time. You'll have the, uh, the uh, same look, same texture, same everything. But then, when you, that's what I love about Creekstone. It'll always taste the same. Now, you are known for one particular dish that's sort of become a cult favorite, which is the mac and cheese brisket burrito. Yes. Uh, <laughs> how did I come up with that one? Yeah. I wasn't high. <laughs> let's just, wasn't for the high. record. For the record, for the I record. wasn't high. Because that's the first question that people ask me. Right, did you have the munchies when you had weed? I mean, that definitely falls in that, like, gourmet stoner type of food. Yes. Because you're still putting this amazing 16-hour brisket in with this mac and cheese and a flour tortilla. But unaltered, unaltered, yeah. Just cut it, uh, chop it one, two, three times, put it in with the mac and cheese, no barbecue sauce whatsoever, just mac and cheese, the sausage from Texas, uh, beans that we make here from scratch, roll it all up. And you add your own barbecue sauce on the side. But you're Texas, so it's, I mean, you could do dry, right? Bar- yeah. You have barbecue sauces for people who want it, but you don't need yeah. it. Yeah, you know, just because we're going, going back to the California thing, uh, here in California, unfortunately, 
we've been since day one infused that barbecue has to have barbecue sauce on top or if not a whole bunch that we wouldn't know better and I think it's going to take years before people start realizing that yeah. it's on the side yeah I, I made a very I was in crisis in Lockhart years ago <laughs> with someone and I uh, asked for barbecue sauce and my friend with me went no yeah. no, no 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 and I went I went so before we go, I want to ask Future Raised Barbecue. What's what's what can people expect? Um, honestly, one location. I think if anything, eventually down the road, just within the same city, whether it's Huntington Park or Vernon, uh, but definitely no second location because I totally understand all the big pitmasters and the big people that have been in business for years, why they only have one location. Because, you know, just what they say, you know, you cannot replicate in one location in the second one because you would need to clone yourself. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Thank Congratulations. you so much for Thank you for telling the story. Pleasure. Uh, and if people want to follow you, because you, you have a good Instagram too. Yeah, it's uh, RaysBBQHP. Uh, that's R-A-Y-S-B-B-Q-H-P. HP for Huntington Park. Uh, Facebook, I don't really use too much, but it's still Raised BBQHP. But and, it's uh, mostly Instagram. All right. And uh, keep up the good work. Well, thanks, and we'll keep on evolving. Awesome. Well, this is uh, one of our favorite bands. This is Small Black here on Snacky Tunes, coming to you live from Huntington Park.
Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market, America's healthiest grocery store with more than 400 locations throughout the United States. Download the Whole Foods Market app on your smartphone for recipes, sales, information, and digital coupons. Or visit WholeFoodsMarket.com to find a store closest to you. Welcome back. We have Harsh Crowd live in studio. Uh, do you want to go around and introduce yourselves? Yeah, sure. And the instrument that you play? Um, I'm Dea, and I play guitar. Okay. I'm Willow, and I sing vocalist. I'm Lena. I play the drums. I'm Rihanna, and I play the bass and piano. Uh, so why don't you tell people how you met? Who wants to get one? Rihanna should. Rihanna oh, should. Rihanna, why don't you? Okay. Tell us a good origin um, story. Good old we all story. met at Willie May Rock Camp for Girls. Um, we were put into a band. Okay. And, um... We were, you know, put into a band and what? Basically, we went. We all went to the same camp, which was Willie May Rock Camp for Girls. Yeah. And um, we just randomly were jumbled together into a group, and um, we formed a band. And we spent that whole week creating a song, and we actually created two songs. And so we weren't supposed to, and we figured a way how to morph them together, and then. <laughs> We kind of just stuck to it afterwards, and it's three years later. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, for <coughs> listeners who don't know, what is the Willie May, Willie May Rock Camp for Girls? The Willie May Rock. Wait, Rihanna, did you want to? No. Okay. <laughs> the Willie May Rock Camp for Girls is um, the camp that we have all gone to. It's um, a rock. It's like a camp for girls, only girls. It's like about women's empowerment and. Um, being a woman in the world of rock and roll and it's kind of all about empowering girls to do whatever they want and like you know it's like to say girls can do whatever guys can do and just as well and that's kind of like the whole atmosphere of the rock camp and so it's for girls 8 to 18 Mm. and they put you up in random bands and for a week you like you go to workshops in the morning and the afternoon, like about empowerment and stuff. And then after lunch, you have band practice, which is where you get into these bands that they put you in and you practice for a week. And at the end of the week, you do this <coughs> big show for like a song you wrote. And you didn't know each other before. So what brought each of you to the rock camp? Oh, man. Um, I've, I personally have been going since I was eight and... I knew about it since I was, like, six, and I was just waiting until I turned eight. And then I finally turned eight, and I was like, yes, I can go. And I've gone ever since I was eight, and I'm 14 now. Okay. 
Yeah, me too. I've gone ever since I was eight, and I just thought it was a really great idea to go even when I was younger because I hadn't played an instrument before, and it was a really great um, way to start playing drums um, because I didn't take any lessons or anything before that, and actually the camp was the thing that started you know, my whole drumming life, which is my whole life now. And, um, you know, ever since I was little, I loved music, so it was a, it's just, it was a perfect fit for us. Um, this is Rihanna, and I, I just went when I was, like, eight, nine, and it, like, helped me with my confidence, and it helped me play the piano better, and, the, and then I picked up the bass. <laughs> yeah. And now you're fabulous. Yeah. But what wins Thanks, over, Will. what wins over now, the bass and the piano? <laughs> Well, I've st- played the piano since I was four, but... You're really I, good at both. Yeah. yeah. Really, I can't pick... She's like a one. prodigy. She's amazing at everything yeah, she picks like up. A, at the same time, like, it's crazy. And Willa, what brought you to Willie Mae? Uh, my mom signed me up, and I was like, I don't, I'd rather sit at home and watch TV. <laughs> but then I went, and I was like, this is pretty cool. And I actually signed up for guitar. Yeah, we all signed up for we different instruments. Yeah. I signed up for guitar, but they put me in vocal. I was really pissed. But then, uh, got to be with you fabulous people. So yeah, it's okay. So you mentioned that it teaches about confidence and kind of like what girls can do in the rock and roll world. What are some of the lessons or kind of ideas that you've landed upon uh, since being in the rock camp? Um, well, I think I think for us, yeah, we've all kind of learned that. No matter what you do or if you mess up or if you make a mistake, you rock no matter what. <laughs> and that's something that, that you're taught to, to say whenever you make a mistake is I rock. Because it, it really gives you empowerment even when you mess up. Every time you make every a mistake? Time, every time every you make a mistake. Time. Okay. So we still say it to this day. And so I think that's really awesome because then you don't feel bad about messing up and you, you have more room to just kind of play around. And that's, that's, a, big, that's a big lesson for me. Yeah, um, the biggest thing that Rockham taught me uh, was that age and gender are not important to the music industry at all. Because um, when I was little, I like always dreamed of being in a band, but when I looked forward, I thought that it would be when I was at least like 18 or something, and here I am, um, 14, playing drums in Harsh Crowd, which started when we were 11. And um, there are some conflicts that happen you know, in the music industry where we're not taken as seriously or, you know, there's, you know, th- this is a sexist world sometimes, but <laughs> Rock Camp teaches us that that's, that's nothing to bring us down and that's nothing to stop us because we can do it either way, so. Yeah, we've been 12 for like three years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, let's hear a song. Yeah. Okay, uh, what cool. are you gonna? What do you? Well, I'll let you all get set up. But uh, what are you gonna play for us? So first? our first song that we're gonna play is called Ten Degrees, and uh, it's kind of like a remastered version of the original one. Okay. Wrote, so. All right. Well, we'll let you get set up, and then we will have Harsh Code live on Snappy Tunes. Don't know what about me 
I thought there was a spark with us Now who am I supposed to trust? You wanted her instead of me So now we're ancient history So how has, uh, as you've all kind of learned new instruments or picked up different ones, how has the songwriting process evolved while still being in the camp? Oh, man. We have switched instruments around. We've written songs and we've thrown them away. We've really, in the past couple of years, we've really, you know, changed and our writing process has changed. And so I think, you know, as you get older, you have different influences and you, like, listen to different types of music. So I think if you look at the past couple of years we've had, that really reflects that. Who, who are your influences? Uh, I think it varies with, like, the different... Uh, but as a collective group, I think we've really been influenced by um, a lot of different bands. But one in particular, I think, is um, this band called um, Le Tigre. We, we did a cover of them Joan when Jett. we first started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, The Police... Definitely a big one. The funny thing is we all have such different music tastes mm -hmm. um, outside of the band, but then when we come together, we have, like, the same music taste, and it all, like, uh, reflects on our music. Like, for me, I my biggest influence, and everyone knows this, is that I'm obsessed David with David Bowie. Bowie. It's, like, the rock ballads, mm -hmm. um, the Who, all that. Um, and then Willow, you know, you have your I'm more like indie, indie mm -hmm. like, really slow <laughs> and really sad music. <laughs> <laughs> Any bands in particular? Um, I uh, right now I just got really into a band called Bad Books, mm -hmm. which is really good. And um, I don't know. I also like some of those really like kind of like <laughs> trash punk like Twenty One Pilots. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. um, but yeah, it all comes together in our music. So. Uh, do you feel that the harsh crowd sound is still evolving? Definitely, uh, definitely. definitely. <laughs> the jazz. We did this jazz <laughs> thing. Um, oh. Yeah, we experiment a lot with that. And, you know, we started off kind of, like, poppy. And then it, we had this conflict in the middle where we could, like, we were only writing slow songs. And we were like, where's the rock and roll? <laughs> we were in a rut. We're losing it. And then we, like, we started Don't Ask Me, which we're going to play later. And that was, like, the start of our new sound. And we're, I think it's a lot more, like, fun and, like, upbeat now and more yeah. punk from when it was when we first started. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Don't Ask Me is the name of our EP that just came out over the summer. And I think that really captures, you know, where we were, like, in that time. Because our, our, our next EP is going to be completely different 
So each, it's like little time capsules of, of what we're into at the moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, being in the camp is really interesting because, you know, bands that are don't have access to that, they're just kind of pushing themselves. But how does being in the camp, uh, or does it push you or make force you to evolve or look at different things? Or how does it help yeah. or hinder being in the band? Oh, definitely it does. Yeah. Um, it's... I mean, being in my band, uh, Lena and I, I think we were the only ones. We went to camp after we, like, kind of, like, through Harsh Crowd. And I think it just made me see how talented people really are. And, Mm. like, just, like, it made me want to get better because I saw all (laughs) these kids that were, like, so amazing. And, like, I, I just felt really, really humbled. And I was, like, now I need to get better so that I can represent these people and, uh, take my opportunities and you know get mm-hmm. make our band great yeah when we're performing we're representing the rock camp so we're representing all the things it speaks which is really really important because the message the rock camp brings out is really really spectacular and it's something that should really be spread to everyone so that's um, part of our goal when we're doing interviews when we're doing performances like to make sure that we like as a band and our songs are just bringing that message out in itself but also to speak of it as well yeah without camp i don't even know where i would be right now. Yeah. So, oh man like, i can't imagine watching Netflix. what i what i would be doing right now i mean and what do you see i mean you said you spoke of confidence but do you see it affecting people at different ages like the eight-year-olds versus right. the 12-year-olds the 18-year-olds do you see that it spreads the same message, or how yeah. does it affect? And especially yeah. for you, as you move through it through different ages, how does you know what lessons are you taking from it that you might not have seen at first? Um, I think it's really, really interesting to go to camp because you you see eight year olds and then you see eighteen year olds mm. and they they interact and they they're learning the same things and they're kind of going through the same process. So everybody's kind of really going doing the same thing. So it really doesn't like I've learned it doesn't matter what your age is because I've created friends at camp who are 10 years older than me. <laughs> like it, it really it, I don't think the age affects anybody cuz you're you're so unified. The camp just brings everybody together so intensely and the counselors and everybody's just like it, you become a family within the week and yeah. so the camp really just unifies everyone yeah i mean also though i feel like when you're like eight it's a really about like having fun and being Mm -hmm. in that band and being like oh my god i'm in a band (laughs) but then when you get older you kind of like like when i was little when i was eight and going to camp i was like oh my god these workshops are so boring but then like when you get older you start like really appreciating the message that camp has while also like having so much fun and being like oh my god i'm in a band (laughs) also you learn stuff yeah yeah yeah, it's fun to, like, since I, I went when I was 8, and I went when I was, like, 10 and 11, I think, and then 11 was when we formed the band, and then I went, um, I think, last summer. I don't remember, but, you know, after I was a teenager. So, like, there was all these different, like, periods of time where I was a different age. And, yeah, I definitely agree with Willow with that, where the, the it kind of changes your mindset, but um, starting at 8 years old, uh, the confidence is there. It's probably, like, the you get that's where you get your confidence right there like that's definitely that was the first time I performed on a like real stage and it was like something incredible and it it hadn't like the just the thought of like oh my god I'm, I'm playing in a band yeah. I'm like making music even now I'm like oh my god I'm playing in a band <laughs> I'm making music so it's it's the same thing and but yeah I definitely agree the appreciation for like feminism and what we're doing and like why we're playing here and why we're in a band right now that's that's grown over the years Amazing. Uh, can we hear another song? Yeah. yeah. All right, what's this one? Uh, we're going to play Grim. Okay. Newer song. Great. 
sure she's got a lot for us. She can't go home too quick. Wolf's hungry, he hasn't eaten all day. Follow her, she's getting away. She knows she's got no time to Your next EP is coming out. Uh, what is the process that is going into that, and how will it differ from the one that you mentioned uh, that came out this past summer? A lot of recording. <laughs> yeah. Um, for our last EP, we recorded at over, I think, three different places um, because we were just trying to feel for like the right sound that we wanted for the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, but for this next one, I think we really have an idea of like what we're really looking at. 
And so um, we have the songs, and I think we just want to dive head first. Like we 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 found our our recording place that 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 we really love, and so that's, where is it? Take it away, Lena. <laughs> Oh, Lena's uncle. <laughs> so, yeah, my whole family is kind of like a big part of this band. Like my dad's like a like a dance mom, but band's dad. <laughs> and um, my uncle has has always <laughs> yeah, I'm just getting the middle finger from my dad right now. Um, no, but uh, my uncle has always been a really great musician. So he has a uh, his own music studio in his basement, um, and it has like a bunch of cool things. And he's great at like mixing everything. Um, and so yeah that's a great it's recording is so crazy there's so many different things that come into it it's not just like playing and then you record it on your phone and then there it is it's like you know the the bass track and then the lyrics and all this crazy stuff and the most important thing about recording is that you cannot be shy about um your sound and what you want so whoever is working with you you really have to be clear on what your what you want it to be because it's like the it's your final masterpiece like that's what you're bringing out to people so you have to like make sure you're comfortable with telling them oh like could you turn this down yeah. i would rather have this so i think it's going to be a lot easier to open up this time because we weren't really used to that um the first time and now i think we'll be more comfortable with uh really expressing what we want so i think that's going to be a great experience mm-hmm. yeah i'm definitely going to bring more cough drops this time yeah. <laughs> it's also just so fun because we get to we get to go upstate and we just get to kind of hang out and really enjoy each other's company while we create this really interesting thing that's that everybody will get to hear soon so yeah um in the recording, you have to like do like three different bass tracks and de- three different guitar tracks, and then do it over and over again just to make sure it's right. Mm-hmm. So uh, we now know. <laughs> how do you balance all of this with school? Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's a lot of scheduling. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, a, it's a. I mean, it's a, a good question just based on like other yeah. people, other kids who are looking up to you about yeah. how to make it happen. It's um, totally a great question. <laughs> a, a big band conflict is like scheduling. Like a lot of bands have conflicts with different people's schedules. But the good thing is weekends are a thing, so <laughs> weekends are like all busy. Saturday is harsh um, crowds day. Yeah, so Saturday that's that's it. And then when it comes to gigs, there's a lot of times where we played gigs on school nights and stuff, which was I'm not complaining at all. But yeah, it does sometimes interfere with school. Like I, yeah. I don't think homework. any of us would have a problem with leaving school early for a gig, like, no. you know, no. coming to school late for something. But um, no. it it all depends on what the you know. It's every, possible. It, it, it all has to do with cooperation and you know working together and stuff. But yeah, it could be a conflict sometimes. Yeah, but like yeah. I mean, for bands that are starting out, you might like look at it and be like, oh my god, this is so much time that I'm gonna spend with these people and I'm gonna die. But it's like when you actually go into it. I mean, for some of us, like Rihanna, it's like a lot of time. Yeah. But like, it's not like, it's not like, like we love each other and yeah. we love being in this band, so it's not a pain to put in the time. Yeah, like yeah. it's really rewarding at mm-hmm. the end, like to be able to play our music to and show it to people and to record. Like it's all worth it because you know even just playing together in rehearsal is rewarding because it's like here we are and we're making music together so it's really like you have to be passionate about it like you can't just show up like as if it's school and be like oh whatever um, but if you really love music and you love the people you're working with then it's great she speaks the truth <laughs> um, I want to make sure we get one more song in but is there any type of wisdom or insight that you would impart to future all girl bands that you've learned from your three years of being in Harsh Crowd and with the, the rock camp that you could you know share to someone who's just picking up the bass or Sticks for the first time. 
Just, right. I would say just do it. Yeah. Just dive in. Nike. Don't be afraid to say what you want to say. And, um, yeah. Be yourself, because, like, I mean, if you're going to be in a van, you might as well Get be the full you. Like, I'm I'm really, really, really weird. Crazy. And crazy, as they can all tell. tell. Mm-hmm. But um, I just say be yourself and do what you love. Um, I would say don't let anyone call you a girl band or a child band. Um, mm. don't, that's not a compliment. Even if you like the people saying, like, oh, you're really great for a girl band or for a kid band like i wouldn't say like punch them in the face but make sure or maybe you maybe you could if that's yeah. the way it goes in that school but I, but don't let that happen because um if if you're if you want to be in a girl band and you just want to make music and you're all girls then it's not a girl band um it's not it's a, a boy band. band it's not a girl band it's just a band and just because you happen to be girls all girls some girls then that's it then it's just a band so don't let people say that about you that is great I think, uh, well, before we go to the last song, where can people find your first EP? Where can people <laughs> um, get all the information? Uh, you can find it on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Bandcamp, Amazon, Amazon Apple, Apple Music. Music. Yeah. yeah, pretty much everywhere. And do you have a website, Instagram, Twitter, awesome. Snapchat? Yeah, all social media. Hashtag, um, yeah. With all the social media. Mm-hmm. Okay. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us, look us up. Okay. Um, Don't be strangers. Well, thank you for coming by. <laughs> thank you Appreciate so much. It. Cool. Um, pizza party after this. Yeah. Uh, that's what, what I came yeah, for. That's why, <laughs> that's why that's most why bands <laughs> come anyway. Um, what is the last song that you're going to play for us? Ooh. The last song we are going to play is the name of our EP, and it's called Don't Ask Me. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for listening, um, and we will be back next week with another episode of Snacky Tunes. You come around and ask me saying that you need to
talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.